Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. All right, so uh, we are talking about Snapchat, <laughs> Snapchat filters. <laughs> and uh, Jocelyn, you... Are a pretty dude, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I think I'm a one good looking dude. There. Yeah, and you're yeah. a very pretty lady. So. Thank you, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, it's getting so many likes on Facebook. <laughs> 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 I don't know, man. Like, but uh, this thing is scary. Yeah, it really is because yeah. it's good. And the crazy thing is that I'm I'm afraid it may give a lot of dudes some ideas and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll they'll realize later that you can never look like this in reality, player. Yeah. No matter what you do, <laughs> this is a filter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I have to say, with the filters, I'm a way better looking dude than I am a woman. Oh God. Because <laughs> like you know, using the woman, the one to make me a woman. But I, yeah, yeah. The my one best that, friend says I look like a real estate agent. So. Molly, I've already told you. Yes, yes. I already know the name Molly, <laughs> and she's gonna uh, sell you the the house of your dream, <laughs> the home of your dream. Yes. Yeah, and I look like a backup singer for <laughs> Mariah Carey or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but I haven't I haven't done the one that makes you look like another dude. Yeah. Because in that case, I would be a dude playing a dude. Playing. This guy's like a dude. My husband did. My husband did. Did he? Did, yeah. was, was he any different? Yeah, he looks like a lumberjack version of himself. <laughs> like it added like this massive jowl thing going on, and like yeah, yeah. a lumberjack version, an angry lumberjack version. Of oh himself. my goodness! Yeah. No, I'm gonna do that. I'm definitely gonna do that because. So, but and I was I was telling you that um, I posted it on Facebook because I don't have I don't have any of my brothers and sisters on Facebook, um, but on Instagram, my little sister in Haiti follows me, <laughs> and I know that if she sees that, she is going to show it to my mother, and I don't know that there's a way to explain to my mother that technology has done that. It's not like. <laughs> I haven't been to Thailand or anything <laughs> like that. And it all of a sudden change, you know. And I don't want to have that conversation. I can, yeah, I can because I'm going to get this phone call with a lot of Jesus and <laughs> crying and I'm praying for you. I'm on my knees as we speak. And I don't want to hear it because I know that this conversation is not going to go well because no, there won't be any convincing my 74-year-old mother that this is the phone. My phone did this. Not me. Nothing. No, I actually have the shortest my hair has ever been. So no, that's not me. But 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 at the same time, mm-hmm. you could be the hero of your own story, and 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 say that her prayers worked, <laughs> and just send her a current picture of yourself. Yeah. What if she doesn't believe? <laughs> Because once she believes something, she believes yeah, something. She, yeah, and then she's not going to believe. Something. Otherwise, she wouldn't be mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. <laughs> Let's get this show started. 
This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Welcome to Kicking and Streaming. One more week. Uh, we are here with us, with me, obviously, my very fantastic and good-looking dude <laughs> version a very good looking dude. <laughs> a very good looking dude version of the Snapchat filter. Male my model. my co-host Jocelyn. Here I am. Ah, it's been a fantastic week. I can tell you that because um, no rain, no no crazy weather storms or anything. Yeah, no tornadoes blew through. And as a matter of fact, according to someone we know. It is the first weekend since September that it's not raining. That's depressing as fuck. Yeah, yeah, but 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 like when you think about it, it is true though. It is. It, we, we've been through some shit. Yeah, we have. It, like we could have like the most beautiful weeks. Yeah. And the moment it's Friday, bam, yeah. you wake up, and it's wet outside. You know, or the Saturday where it was like nice for half the day. That would be the Saturday that you and I would be working that half of the day. And that's exactly what happens. And as soon as we walk outside, then it starts pouring down rain. So let us not talk too much about it so no. we don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, raining cats and dogs. Yay. And uh, this week we are doing sort of a lighter version of this show. We've we've gone on a on a journey of really heavy stuff yes uh, lately we've covered serial killers yeah. and mental illness yes. and more mental illness mm-hmm. and yeah it's been it's been tough and um we assume that you know at this point our uh, listeners are like yeah y'all should recommend something a bit more like yay make me laugh <laughs> and this week as Jocelyn and I were brainstorming, so we're, we're looking at six possible shows that we could talk about, and um, among them was a show called Street Food on Netflix. I, you know, I, I don't know if I can call myself a foodie. I'm just a, I'm just some, you know. Some fat ass dude that eats a lot. Yes, yeah, that's me too. I'm that's not... no. And I also kind of don't like the word foodie. Like it, it ticks something on me that goes. Ugh. It, the, it's, a, it's a, I think it's a douchey way of calling yourself a person who eats. A person who eats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoys food. Yeah, like who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there. Some. Well, that's true. Some people don't. But so, well, yeah, some people enjoy food. They just don't enjoy what it does to their body and then they go and vomit it but yeah that's a completely different thing now we're going down the sad path <laughs> and so street food was is on my radar i still plan to watch that because yeah. you know i want to see food 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 yes. and it's some it, like there's a there's a whole southeast asia thing going on people you know traveling with a whole bunch of cameras and filming how Foods are made on the street and blah blah. blah. Oh man, I want. I'm. I'm gonna get on that this weekend. Yeah. Then we wanted to talk about the society, which we still will do. Yes. Um, but not the week. No. Not the week. Then we thought about chamber. Yes. Which we also want to do, 
But again, we, we, we weren't feeling it. It was just like, yeah, let's find something a bit lighter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But for some reason, when we talked about what was on Hulu, I think we both kind of got fixated right away about right away about what we're talking about today. Yes. And <laughs> so what do you think? And he was like, what do you think? Jinx! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and not often do you find a documentary that you want to um you want to have a conversation about after watching it. Like mm-hmm. documentaries are so informative that you absorb all the information you you want from there. And maybe you you know you don't talk about it as much as you would talk about a movie. Like, whoa, did you see that scene? How crazy it was. But about this documentary that we want to talk because it's called Too Funny to Fail, The Life and Death of the Dana Carvey Show. Yes. And uh, I, w- I want everybody to actually go to Hulu and watch this. Yes. Because you will learn a lot more about people that today you know that that are super famous that might be some of your favorite comedians yet you don't know that there was a point in their lives where they were struggling comedians that almost didn't make it and when they thought they made it they failed miserably yes and that's why the show is called life and death of the Dana Carvey show. And it sounds, I think, a little bit like esoteric subject matter, matter because I had never heard of the Dana Carvey show. I didn't know it existed uh, in 1996. Dana Carvey was definitely on my radar. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he was on almost everybody's radar. Um, you know, not counting those who weren't alive yet. We're old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, we all knew Church Lady and we knew the impersonation of Bush and, um, you know, the, the Saturday Night Live. But I. Wayne's I, World. Wayne's yeah. World. And yeah, so I never. But I never knew he had his own TV show. I never, I never knew that either. And you can forgive me because, you know, in 1996, I didn't live in the United States. Although living in the. I was, those were the years I was like in between the Caribbean and Europe. <clears throat> and when I was, when you live in the Caribbean, everything cable is American. Okay. Right? So, the, like, local TV is always going to be, you know, antenna TV. Okay. But anything cable, if you have a cable subscription, is going to be American TV. Okay. And so, Saturday Night Live was one of those shows that there are so many versions of in Latin America. And the same format, but nobody has ever quite gotten it right. Gotcha. Because Saturday Night Live is that combination of sketch comedy and stand-up and current affair. But, you know, I used to, wherever I would see Dana Carvey doing one of his impressions and stuff, Especially during the 90s when the Gulf War, the first Gulf War was at its peak. Right. You know, this dude was the best George H.W. Bush you can you could find. Right. So that was my guy. And I, you know, grew up, we grew up dirt poor, so there was no cable. So um, I rarely got to see Saturday Night Live, except maybe occasionally at a friend's house. Or if somebody had videotaped it, you know, he had like a VCR and could could videotape it or I actually had a friend who 
did um, amazing impressions of impressions. So, <laughs> so I knew Church Lady before I saw Church Lady. <laughs> so um, so I kind of got to know it that way. But for the, the Dana Carvey show um, in 96, um, didn't have cable, but we did have antenna TV, and we had three channels. We had CBS, PBS and ABC. So it really should have been on my radar. It should right. have been something that I watched. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And I have no idea why. I don't remember it at all. Yeah. And speaking of ABC, you know, shame on ABC because they couldn't stand the rain. They they really... Uh, I don't know. You know, we always tend to think that all the barriers are broken in terms of art in the United States. And But now we realize we must face the conclusion... Now, this is a, a fairly conservative country when it comes to... Oh, definitely. <laughs> when definitely. it comes to art in, in certain so. ways. Because the, the documentary itself reveals that, you know, a, ABC went after Dana Carvey. They did. You know, they went... They, did. they went after him because he had the choice of ABC, <clears throat> CBS, HBO, NBC, I think. Too. And he originally wanted HBO because of what he wanted to do. Yeah, he, he thought that HBO was gonna be the proper channel for yeah. for for what he wanted to do. Yeah, but do you you know how we always talk about typecasting, right? Yes. ABC went after Dana Carvey because they typecast him as the guy that would be the best family friendly show to do. In and I don't understand their reasoning behind that at all. And the the documentary. You know, the documentary is great because it does go into that and why they thought it. Yeah. But, I mean, as Dana Carvey says, if you actually listen to what Trump Lady <laughs> exactly. says. Exactly. She's quite sub subversive. I mean, yeah. that's an actual quote from him. Yes. So I don't I don't think they were actually paying any attention. And we're just like, oh, the funny church lady. We're not. <laughs> it makes people laugh. Right. Right. And None I, of these characters that he played in, on Saturday Night Live were... Where I mean, Saturday Night Live is not a family-friendly show. No. Why would you think that, you know, Dana Carvey's characters were family-friendly? I guess somebody heard Church Lady and decided, you know, Church Lady, what, what could that possibly be? And I don't know if Disney, just a few weeks before the launching of the show, buying ABC had something to do with the whole vision of a, of a family show either. Possibly. Um, it, I'm, I'm sure it had some influence in terms of, of executive-wise and everything. But at the same time, ABC already, and I do remember this because of having a family that worked in television my whole life, um, <clears throat> ABC always kind of marketed themselves as a family network. So even before Disney bought them, they, they were... They wanted to do that. That's what they wanted to be. That's what they wanted to portray themselves as so i don't really i don't know somebody somewhere goofed up and i also think that you know having taken a guy like tim allen who wasn't necessarily an edgy guy but tim allen was by no means the greatest example of a family man no in making him you know the main figure yeah. of um home improvement i think they thought if we did that with Tim Allen, who has been busted for cocaine and all kind of shit, yeah. we probably can do that with whomever we 
as long as you throw money at them. Yeah. And in, in some ways, it almost sounds, it sounds like a similar story to Chappelle, Chappelle show, Chappelle and the Chappelle show with Comedy Central. Comedy Central threw a bunch of money at him and told him, we like what you do, we like your edginess, but also we want to tame you. <laughs> you know, yeah. They, there is this signature thing in corporate America about having it both ways. Yeah. About wanting to have the cake and eating it too, right? We want funny, but we also want edgy, but also keep it low for the children. Right. Exactly. You know? and, exactly. And, and, don't, and don't offend anybody. Don't. Don't. Right. Don't. There's no way that that, that can ever work. Don't scare off sponsors. And no, it's never. You can't have it both ways. No. And and this is a I mean, group of, of dudes. A line too that you shouldn't cross with some things. I, yeah, I do believe that. See, but here's the thing, mm-hmm. though. I think I've always had a, a, a problem with how lines are defined with comedy. That's true. I've always had good. I've always had that line because. There are things I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I've not been offended I've not felt offended by something that a comedian has said. But at the same time, I always find a way to give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I what would offend me is when a comedian is doing or saying something to pander to a certain political class or a certain social network. Otherwise for me, like the whole, it's a, it's a whole free fall thing. When you, it's almost like you know when something is meant to be an insult, you know it, and you know when something is just meant to be funny, even when it comes out the wrong way. Right. And so I, I always try to look for that. Was he trying to say this or that? Right. Which is what I don't do with politicians. Right. Right. Like, um, I remember my friend was when. Ron DeSantis was running for governor, and and the, he was asked about asked about Andrew Gillum, and he said the thing about let's not monkey this up, let's Florida voters not monkey this up. Yeah, and I was pretty mad about it, and my friend told me, no, you shouldn't be mad. But like, I mean, this is an actual expression, <laughs> you know. But I mean, Ron DeSantis is a politician who should know how these things are contextualized. When it is said about a person of color, right? You know, and he has speechwriters, and he has people to get out of here with that thing. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, for a comedian, on the other hand, for me, it's just like eh, you are throwing so many things out there that are meant to be funny that you're bound to say some shit that people will 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 rub people the wrong way. And let's move on, you know, but. Unfortunately, that's not how the, the the world works, and we saw that with the Dana Carvey show. That's what that, that's what this documentary is about. Mm-hmm. How a show that was to meant to be a revolution uh, failed miserably. Yeah, it did. And when you hear, when you watch the documentary and you see the 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 ensemble that was behind the show, you will ask yourself. How in the hell did this guy not make it? Yep. You know? and I mean, just like the title says, too funny to fail. Too funny to fail. Yeah. Um, so let's start by some of the people that are in, in the show, that are involved in the show. Robert Smigel is 
sort of a legendary dude. And if you don't, if you can't put a face to the name, don't feel bad because I also <laughs> couldn't put a face to the name until I watched the documentary. I know that I've seen this name associated with Saturday Night Live forever. And one of the most particular times where that name jumps in front of me is, do you know that little cartoon thing that they do on Saturday Night Live that is almost always after Weekend Update? Like, they always do it a bit too late because it is cartoon, but it's really, really edgy. Like, really, really edgy. Mm -hmm. So... Robert Schmeigel is like the creator, the inventor of that. And that was, as you you will remember, created in the Dana Carvey show with the with Ace and Gary. Yes. yes. <laughs> the ambiguously gay duo. Yes. yes. Which I was familiar with and did not know it was exactly. been created for the Dana Carvey exactly. show. Exactly. I, I I mean I remember the first time I saw this, and I'm sure this sketch Sketches existed back when I was watching in the Caribbean, but they would definitely cut that out because <laughs> that's that's too much, <laughs> you know. But the first time I saw it was in 2004, and I was like, yo, are they just in... No, they, they're saying it. Look at this. This guy's ass is hanging out. <laughs> and then all they always find themselves in those weird positions and stuff that are very suggestive and stuff. And uh, so that's one of the things you might recognize Robert Schmeigel. What else? Um Triumph, the insult comic, the dog with a huge ass cigar, and <laughs> everything that comes out of his mouth is completely filthy and insulting. You know, I think this guy I wonder if the whole idea of shows like Family Guy, The Simpsons, all of that could have been just stolen out of this guy's brain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, he was writing a whole lot of very, very hard stuff, even uh, before the Dana Carvey show with, with um, Saturday Night Live. Whether they made it or not on TV. Mm hmm. That's a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. But if you notice, there's a lot of camaraderie between these guys, right? Yes. And yes. I think that's a great thing about the documentary is it really highlights the friendship and how close all these guys were during the making of this and at the time. Yeah. And they're grateful to each other. They're grateful to know each other. Yeah. And at some point, uh, both uh, Stephen Colbert and Carell uh, said that they would, they would, you know, do anything for Dana Carvey. Yeah. Because we didn't know, I didn't know that Stephen Colbert had been around for so long. I did not know that. I didn't know that Stephen Carell, Steve Carell had either. And the first time I ever saw Steve Carell was in The Daily Show, which is so many years after, after the Dana Carvey show, when he got onto The Daily Show. And in fact, to be honest with you, the very first thing I can remember seeing Steve Carell, do you remember Bruce Almighty? Yes. Do you remember that bit? Yes. <laughs> Where uh, he is a newscaster and Bruce is messing with him. Yes. That was the first I'm like, this guy is funny. This guy is funny. The first 
time I ever saw Steve Carell was in the movie Little Miss Sunshine, <gasps> which if you haven't seen is is phenomenal. Um, it that was in t- 2006, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the first time I had ever seen him in anything. I missed a lot of... It wasn't by any means, obviously, the first thing he was in, but it was the first time he ever really crossed my radar, and I was like, this guy is good. But what about uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin? I have never seen that movie. Really? I know. The things it you was, find out with your co-host. I know. <coughs> it was one of those things I was going to go see in the movie theater, and then didn't, and then I've just never watched it, so... Yeah. And it's not because I don't want to. It's just like, I don't know. I keep forgetting it's out there. And it, I know it's amazing. It's a culture of its own. Like, it, it, like it's, it, it has its own fan club yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that, that I saw Steve Carell on Bruce Almighty the very first time. The next time was on 40-Year-Old Virgin. And I was like, this dude is funny. Yeah. But... You know, there's a lot of funny people on on TV and in movies, you know, like you expect them to go away. Yeah. You expect them to go away. These were people that, you know, it was right at the same time of um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. And, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. it was like 40 year old virgin was right around that time. Dude, where's my car? Wasn't that around the same yes, time? Yes, 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 dude, where's my car? You know. Yeah. There was a lot of funny guys out there that you you explain, yeah, these guys are funny, but yeah, yeah, they're gonna go away. Yeah, but then you know Steve Carell got onto the Daily Show, but little did I know, and we learned through this documentary that it was because Colbert, you know, called him up. Yes, that reminds me yes. of my of my of my um, hotel industry career. Like we had. This little pack among us, a whole of if I get this job, man, you're coming with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's a kind of bond that is unbreakable. Yeah. But going back to Dana Carvey, I think Dana Carvey is the oldest of all of them. Yes. Because Dana Carvey is, is a self-identified baby boomer. Yes. So that puts him really in his mid-60s. Yeah. Yeah, let's look at let's see how old he actually is because I don't really know. Yeah, um, he was born in 1955. Yeah, so he's 63. Yep, there you go. Yeah, I, I oh, I forgot he used to do Ross Perot too. Oh Ross Perot? yes, Ross Perot. Yes. Ross Perot. <laughs> God, I actually didn't know there was a guy running named Ross Perot until I saw the impression. <laughs> yes. So th- this is this is good stuff we're talking about here because um, here's a guy that opened a whole lot of doors for people who today are superstars. Yes, and um, and the world's a better place for them too. Absolutely, Colbert and um, Carell. But we're talking about what came out of a great failure. Yeah, what came out of a great failure? Like to 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 go onto a pro- on a project. With so much money thrown at you. Yeah. And with so much hype. Yeah. Because this yeah. is a dude that was on the cover of Rolling Stones and yeah. People, magazine. People Magazine. He was and everywhere. Yeah. 
you know. There was articles written about this in the New York Times, the Washington Post. This didn't die because people didn't know about it. Right. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This show was, all, the only reason the show failed is because it was way too much ahead of its time. I agree. Because today this would be the show. Yeah. The Dana Carvey show would be an institution today. Had it been had it been launched, I don't know, maybe in the year 2000-2003. Yeah. We're talking about 6 or 8 years after it's launched. Or I wonder if it hadn't gone to HBO if he hadn't chosen HBO instead of a quote-unquote family network. Yeah. At the time because it would have been I don't know. I feel like the people who were watching HBO were less middle American than the folks who were, you know, dirt poor like myself and only had three channels to watch. But at the same time, though, <laughs> at the same time, though, I don't know that at, at the time going to HBO would have made your show as popular as being on HBO today. No, that's true. The, the, that 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 was the the other point. That's HBO true. was a selected audience, whereas today. It's available everywhere. Like uh, the joke was a few weeks ago to, for the premiere of for the premiere of of Game of Thrones. It was like HBO saw the highest rated uh, premiere of any show in its history, and they're still asking them, asking themselves how that was possible with only four people signed up for HBO Go. <laughs> that means the entire country has their password, right? The password is password one two three <laughs> exclamation point. So, yeah, it wouldn't have worked. I pro- it probably, I think, because I think maybe it would have gone on a little longer. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I it I definitely would have. It would have gotten the plug pulled on it, like ABC pulled the rug out from. Oh yeah, them. oh yeah. But you're right. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. I mean, Chris Rock had a, a, a Chris Rock show on HBO, and you can barely remember that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it went on for like three seasons, and you know, it was a funny show, but it wasn't anywhere near that. But <clears throat> I suppose what I'm saying is, the minds here evolve based on what they've seen, and. Sometimes they hate what they see at the moment. Mm-hmm. But the next time they see that, the next time they see something similar, their reaction to it is more favorable. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because if you remember, Family Guy was canceled. Yeah, that's right. It was. The first time it launched. It was. Because it was too much. It was yeah. far too much. Yep, you're right. It was. Yet... Um, again, Family Guy is one of the most popular shows around and it's been running for seasons and seasons and seasons. Yeah, you're right. It was. So, and ABC sort of like jumped the gun because at the end of the day, the show, the Dana Carvey show was picking. Yeah. Right towards sixth, seventh episode, it was picking. It had an audience, it had a following. Yeah. And the media was turning around. Yeah. Yeah. The media was, was starting to, like you said, on the second look was starting yeah. to recognizing it. that they had overreacted. Yeah. You know. 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Dana Carvey didn't do some really crazy shit. <laughs> the entire, but it was meant to do that. Yeah. And it was a revolution of TV. It was, it was the start of something new. Yes. And we get so comfortable with what we know. We get so comfortable with what we know that um, our first reaction to what we don't know is anger, yeah. I think. Yeah, it is for a lot of people. You know, um, he, I remember he, he said that he received a letter from some dude saying, look, I'm no fan of Bill Clinton, but you, how dare you trivialize the uh, presidency of the United States? It, it's sad because there was nothing to it, really. <laughs> there was nothing to that sketch. From what? From some stuff I've seen on Saturday Night Live today. <laughs> I mean, come on. Some yeah. stuff I've seen on, on Comedy Central. Oh, Lord, yes. I mean, has anybody seen the roast of so-and-so on, on, on Comedy Central? That is brutal. Yeah. Brutal. I, I'm like, how can you sit there and take all that? Have people... To, I don't know that I could survive a roast. I know I couldn't. But the way they do it on Comedy Central is actually atrocious, you know. And people see through that, and people people like it. And I don't think I don't think the Dana Carvey was that was that bad. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it was that. Well, seen through today's lens, it's definitely not that sub subversive. But 1996 was was different and i think seeing it through the lens of of abc and you know family shows and tool time which i don't know if you've ever seen tool time before but i mean it's definitely a very formulaic sitcom about a family i mean the, the most i think subversive joke they would have on there might might have been a fart joke and I'm not even sure <laughs> I'm not even sure they went that far with it so um so an 11 year old could have written the script for that yes exactly exactly so yeah if if that's what you were expecting to see after tool time you know if you're expecting to say oh I'm gonna see it's a David and Carvey show and it's gonna be something similar to that then yeah you, your head would blow off <laughs> yeah and, and that's exactly what they got <laughs> But I did like the quote from the one guy that said, um, the, one of the writers who said that he likes to think that they unified America in a way <laughs> that it never had before and that six million people simultaneously turned their TVs off. <laughs> <laughs> that was on the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three minutes later, yes. <laughs> six million people go like, yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not with this. I, I need to go mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah, but when... You're, you set out to make big changes. You take the risk even when it's going to cost you. Yes. And it cost all of these guys yes. um, for, for, for a while at least. Um, a, a sad part for me was when Dana talked about, you know, going back home and his kid was like, hey, man, I didn't see you for a long time. Yeah. You know, and... Going back home on the day that your show gets canceled, in where you're trying to ask yourself, 
was this worth it? Did I, did I do all this for something good? Will something good come out of that? And then your kid reminding you, like, yeah, but you, you were gone for a while. Like, that's his way of saying, I miss you. Where the hell have you been? You yeah. Um, as a dad, man, you, you, <laughs> I don't know. So there's a prize after all these, and we all, we all have lived to see it. And as you said before, thanks to the existence of Dana Carvey show and not necessarily for discovering these guys, even though I, I, I think I want to say that, I think I want to say that, that. Steve Carell, um, Stephen Colbert were discovered thanks to to this show. Yeah. Um, today we have a, you know, dozens of Emmy winner um, in in Steve Carell with his both his Colbert Report, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was Steve uh, with uh, Stephen Colbert was in character for so many years that. I thought he was like that <laughs> for the longest time. It's was like, funny, isn't it? Yeah, but in I remember he he was saying in in he said in interviews that like many a time his wife had to be like, "Hey man, get 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 out of character. Like, you're home now. You know, what I mean, like be you for a moment. You know, that's 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 hard to do. Yes, that is hard to do. But but he nailed it. And today he is, you know, filling the shoes of a legend by taking the place of David Letterman. Yes. Right? The late show. And I think he's doing a great job with it too. Yes, yes. I think he's he's contrary to Jimmy Fallon <laughs> taking over for Jay Leno, which I, I never I could never understand why. And I, I think I think at this point it's fair to say that the Tonight Show will never be as popular as as a late night show as it was back in the day. You and I have talked about how David Letterman was like is has that kind of comedy almost as if a British comic. Yes. Right. Like yes. his humor is one of those things that you cannot determine exactly where is he going with this. Yes. Where is he going with this? Right. And the prime example of that is the Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah, <laughs> Keanu, Oprah. Like, that is the biggest, greatest piece of comedy that I've ever seen with somebody saying only two words. But <laughs> it freaking worked, you know. I would be intimidated by knowing every day that I'm supposed to to follow the steps of this guy. Oh yeah. And yet Stephen Colbert is is killing it. Yeah. You know, and he's brought um other than the Daily Show, politics wasn't really that much into late night. Uh, one thing is to make fun of presidents. One thing is to impersonate presidents. One thing is to make fun of the news, but taking the news, giving the news, so telling people about the news and having a punchline behind it all the time, it's something that 
is inherently from the Daily Show that has been sort of transferred into late night, thanks to, to Stephen Colbert. So he's doing it. And then on Steve Carell, you have, I mean, he, he was even nominated for uh, Best Reporting Actor, playing the most, most recently he was in that Dick Cheney movie. Yes. And he played a hell of a Donald Rumsfeld. Vice was, was that movie. Yes. So these are people that are brilliant, that were brilliant, that have always had the talent. But I'm, fairly sure that they wouldn't be where they are if it weren't for um, the Dana Carvey show. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, And it's so funny that, you know, I never heard of the show. And I want to watch it now. Is it available anywhere? Do it is know? It is on on uh, on Hulu, actually. Okay. Yes, it is. And uh, they, didn't, they, they didn't do the... ABC didn't put the eighth episode on. No, they they had props to the executive, I have to say, for agreeing to be interviewed for the documentary. Because <laughs> I think that was very brave of him. Because, you know, he could have yeah. been like, yeah, no, never. I'm not talking to you guys. But he, I, th I think it was good to have, and I think it was also good to have his side of the story too, yes. the, the executive side of what they have to do and what they have to go through. Um with shows on the air, especially if it's a show that they really believe in and want to keep on the air. But, um, yeah, they, they made the decision to pull the plug and air a very special episode of coach, which I'd completely forgotten existed. I don't so, even know what coach is all about. So it's about a coach. You got it now. That's what it's about. Oh, it's, it's about a coach. It's about, it's about a coach and he's called coach. Wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, they pulled it. They could have fooled me. <laughs> Coach. I thought, you know, like, you know, because I, I know a dog, uh, there's a dog named Judge. Yes, yeah. You know, I mean, like, I, I, I would think maybe some yeah. thing or, you know, some cute animal named Coach and whatever. So it's about a coach, it's about an a coach. actual coach. A, a sports, sports ball coach. Okay. So, yeah. And we, he's called Coach. Coach. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Cool. And they decided we're gonna do that yeah. instead of airing the most legendary eighth episode yeah. of any cancelled show. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, now you can watch it on Hulu, right? And I'm I'm gonna binge watch the entire damn thing. Yeah, it's only Good. episode eight episodes, and you know they're less than half an hour long. So, so there you go. Here we go, folks. And um, the journalist—I never got his name. <laughs> the dude that was he used to be an, a TV critic for, well, he still is, Pulitzer-winning journalist for L.A. Time, is it? Um, L.A. Was Times? It Howard Rosenberg? Is that he? I think it's yes. He was harsh. He was. He was harsh. He was absolutely shredding. The show. It's almost as if it had a, a person. He had a personal vendetta. It really, yeah. He he went in on that show, and um, I love that he got a letter from a <laughs> fan who that personally attacked him for personally attacking the show, um, and that made him take a second look at the show and realize that he'd maybe seen it through the wrong lens. Yeah. 
And then, but I also love that they track down the letter writer. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a really great part of the documentary where they speak to the letter writer (laughs) um, and, and, and what he was going through at the time. And uh, I think that's pretty. That is funny. But, But here's the thing. But it takes a big man, actually. To receive, because you know what, I'm I'm gonna be totally honest with you. If I received a letter like that, just based on the personal attack, I would be like, "Yeah, fuck you," mm-hmm. and moved on. Like, yeah, I said what I said. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it was harsh. Like, it was it was really bad. Like, how does it feel to know that you will never have sex again or whatever? I mean, come on, what is wrong with you? You know. But the guy was like. You know what? Maybe I should go ahead and watch this show again. Who yeah, does somebody, that? If somebody feels that passionately about it, then maybe I maybe I saw maybe I missed something. Which that I can tell you, I can that is uh, a quality that I don't have, and I confess that I don't have that. Maybe I should try to be more like Mister Rosenberg. And, and that's not to say that I'm no, you know, uh, I'm against criticism. Whatever, you just have to approach me <laughs> a certain way, man. Don't be coming over here and talking about my mama like that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here it is. You guys should watch this documentary. Whatever you think you've learned from the documentary, based on what we've what what we've talked about, um, no, nah. yeah, no, I don't think I don't think you could. All we've done here is give you a, a brief synopsis of what the documentary is about. But it is important that you watch it. If you want to know the story behind one of the greatest failures in TV, yet everybody is better for it. Everybody yes. that was involved in it yes. is better for it. Yes, that doesn't happen every day, does it? No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And and Dana Carvey, you know, going around telling everybody, I'm so sorry I ruined your careers <laughs> when it when the show was canceled was was lovely in a, yes. in a sense. And the fact that it actually did the complete opposite and launched I think I think everybody that worked on it nearly yeah. it it launched them further, um, is great. The documentary itself is also pretty dang funny, just on its it own. It um the lower thirds are hilarious. Uh, I love the way that, you know, Stephen Colbert, the first time his name comes up, it's formerly unemployed actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just pay attention to those because they're cute. Yeah. There's a lot of them that come up that'll give you a giggle. So, and it's not a cynical show in the slightest, um, which is nice. Um, there's really no agenda on it. And other than to tell you the story of this show that failed both sides of the story. And, uh, but there's one more thing I want to, I want to bring up. Yeah. Is, you know, Louis C.K. is a brave man because, and I know Louis C.K. has had his problems lately, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, for him to admit that he was solely he responsible for not hiring Jimmy Fallon is <laughs> <laughs> a big thing. It's true. I mean, in, in, do you know how... Lucy K always talk about his shortcomings, you know, balding and fat and, you know, oh, whatever, ginger and stuff. But do you know the confidence you have to have to say, 
you know, I didn't want this guy because because he's he was pretty and I hated myself. You know, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to have to work with this dude every day. Right, I didn't want to have to look at, look at him. Yeah, because he's he's way prettier than I am. So yeah, it's 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 a hard thing to admit. So I I mean, kudos. It's funny, but you know it is true. You know yeah. that that's exactly the reason why, yeah. Yeah. because. I can say whatever I want. I mean, I don't like Fallon, but I know that he's funny. Yeah. I don't like Fallon. Yeah. But I, there are comedians like that. Yeah. There are comedians that I don't like, meaning I wouldn't have a beer with them. I wouldn't um, have a conversation with them. I'm not interested in any shit that they have to say outside of their comedic lives. Right. But... I can understand and I can appreciate the fact that they're funny. Right. And that other people find them funny. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I watch them too. Yeah. You know, like um, one of the dudes I have the biggest issues with because he's, his food is always in his mouth in real life is Steve Harvey. Yes. Right. But yet I'm addicted to Family Feud. <laughs> I'm addicted to Family Feud because the dude is funny and he conducts the show in a very funny way. Like he will say some extra little things. And my favorite Steve Harvey actually is Steve Harvey by Keenan Thompson. <laughs> Keenan Thompson. I don't know what I'm going to do when Keenan Thompson is no longer on Saturday Night Live because... Yeah, that guy. That guy makes my day. When the show is about to be terrible, Kenan Thompson says something, <laughs> does something that makes it fun. But actually, my favorite, my favorite version of Steve Harvey is Kenan Thompson. Not, Steve Harvey, not Steve Harvey himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, um, yo, the whole Fallon thing. I thought it was revealing. I, I thought it, it it was a brave thing to do. Yeah. Because. There's another thing. I wouldn't have brought that up. Yeah, no. That's the kind of thing where you would just be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about it. I would say that I, I didn't like the guy and I, I was responsible for not hiring him. But the truth, to put out the truth like that, saying, yeah, man, the whole reason, because that is petty. <laughs> It's very petty. That's petty, It's man. very petty. Be like, yeah, you were really talented, and, and we thought you were funny, but you were prettier than me, so bye-bye. And here's the crazy thing. He went to, on to Fallon's show <laughs> and told him that, hey, you remember when you were trying to get the Dana Carvey show? You didn't get the job because of me. <laughs> That's, yeah, okay. That's good. Um, so, Jocelyn, what are you watching this week? Tell me something that you've got your eyes on. Uh, let's see. This is a good question. Um, I want to get caught up with Hannah. Um, have you started? I have not started it yet, so I want to want to watch that. Um, I, good show, good show. I want to watch that. I want to watch um, Chambers. I think I would. We talked about that a little bit. I yeah. think I want to watch that. Dead to Me looks interesting. Oh, Dead to Me. Every time I go on Netflix, Netflix is like, yo, you should watch Dead to Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like really? Yeah, dude. Like, trust me. Like, no. because you said trust me, now I ain't gonna watch it. Yeah, no. I'll no, definitely will. Um, I'm trying to think what else is coming out. There's a lot coming up that I'm excited about that isn't out yet. Mm -hmm. 
you know, good omens, of course. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm ready for that. I can't wait for that to come out. I'm trying to remember what else is coming up. There's something coming out in June that I'm really excited about, but my feeble brain has decided to... Your brain is not feeble. How dare you? <laughs> it can't remember. It doesn't remember what, what, what we were going to be doing, so... All right, well, there's that. Well, here's the thing. I'm watching right now a show from Belgium okay. on Netflix, and it's called Undercover. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's- I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think it's good enough for us to do a whole show about it. Okay. For a whole, a whole podcast about it. But people should definitely watch that because it is... I like I like these foreign shows because... It's it's a different way of doing things. Yeah. And I like I like it. I, I like um that different flavor. Yeah, there's definitely a different like the camera work is different and the editing is different and yeah. And the way like when you watch a cop show here, mm-hmm. you know that there there is a a particular way that the police or the um Detectives go about their work. Right, the formula. Right. And when you watch one of those European shows, there's a very different way of going about it. Mm-hmm. And I like the inter-country um, cooperations that they have, you know, where you could start an investigation here and, you know, and you're in Belgium and end it in Sweden. That's true. You know, that that's very fascinating to me. So that's one show that, I'm I'm gonna continue watching. I'm binge watching it actually because started it two days ago and I'm almost done. And you know, we have jobs and stuff, and yeah. So we don't binge watch the way <laughs> the way you know my son binge watches. But yeah, um, I just finished good stuff. I just finished a series on Hulu. Um, like again, I don't. Speaking to what you said, I don't think it's worth really doing a podcast about, but I can definitely recommend it to folks. Um, it's called National Treasure, and not Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure, but it's a it's a British uh, series from 2016 that is um, it's based on when the whole Jimmy Savile thing happened. Um, it's kind of based on a similar story, but a fictional character, um, a beloved national treasure, uh, comedy, comedic team. Um, and one of them is accused of multiple rapes. Oh boy. And it's so, you know, very dark and depressing, but it's, it's very, very good. It won a lot of awards in, uh, in England. Um, I've never heard of it until it popped up on Hulu, um, and I watched it. But uh, if you want to spend some time watching something that's very, very good but a little bit depressing, it's National Treasure. It's on Hulu. It's only four episodes. Um, they're like 40 minutes each, so it's not much of a, a time. So How many episodes? Four episodes. Really? Yeah, just four. Is it an entire show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is it a documentary or a drama? No, it's it's a drama. It's not a four episodes. Four episodes. Yeah. Okay. National treasure, and it's um, Robbie Coltrane plays the disgraced comedian. 
So he was in he was Hagrid, of course, in the Harry Potter Harry Potter series. Um, I like Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter's <laughs> in my dude, man. <laughs> I would. I wish you wasn't Harry oh, Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. That's that's the porn cheap porn knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, he was, but you know, he's he himself is a respected comedian and actor in England. So there's some big names in it, uh, actually. But it, it was very good. But dark. Dark. Yes. We always go for dark. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I think. The, the the mantra of this podcast, obviously, is to, you know, turn your attention to things that could just, you know, go below your radar that you, you don't, that you know it's on there, but, you, yeah. you know. You're like, is that worth the time? Right. Is it? Yeah. That's, what, that's where we come in and tell you, you should watch this. Yeah. And in that respect... We would love your opinion. We would love to know how we're doing. We would love to hear from you. And to hear from you um, doesn't necessarily mean if you don't want you don't want to pick up the phone and call us. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> but if you give us a, a, a like, on a follow on Instagram, if you just go on Twitter and drop a note and tell us how we're doing. But most importantly... When you listen to our podcast on uh, Apple Podcast, remember, please, to go and write a little review and, um, you know, rate the show just once. You only have to do it once, mm -hmm. but rate, the sh rate this uh, podcast and tell us what you like, what you would like to hear, what you feel we're doing good yeah. and how we could do better. Yeah. Um, we really would appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We are, um, we are continuing to do this because we know that somebody somewhere is benefiting from it. Yep. So. And it's fun. It is fun. I, I like I, I like doing this with you. I think I've been, I've I've said this um, pretty much every week, <clears throat> and we have some more projects coming around. We, we have plans to do our first film. Yes. Yeah, we're getting into the whole filming thing. Yes. <laughs> this is good. Um, but, you know, I've read some of the reviews and people seem to think that we're doing a good job. Yeah. They like our banter. They like my laugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they say um, that even though the show is about streaming... But they actually enjoy how frequently we go get out of character and 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 veer from the theme and, and when we get off topic, yeah, and go off on random tangents and just banter. Yeah, <laughs> so that's a beautiful thing. And and thank you for that, uh, reviewer. Uh, thank you for the awesomeness. Thank you for the awesome, for the brilliant, for the great. And we hope you continue to to support us. And by supporting us, if you feel like it, go to patreon.com slash kicking and streaming podcasts and find out how you can support this show. What else you got, Justin? <laughs> so we're going to call it a day then. Thank you very much uh, for listening to this episode. Tell us what you think about 
uh, the documentary Too Funny to Fail, the life and death of the Dana Carvey show on Hulu. Well, for me, for Jocelyn, thank you very much. We're good. You're good. See ya. Bye. Take care now.